You're listening to the Pastor Tom Podcast, a collection of sermons from Tom Ferguson. Each episode features a message from his time as pastor of New Life Center. And now, here's Pastor Tom.
I don't know if there's anything else out there, but I sure know this one's awfully important. This place is awfully important because the creator of all things that exist has spoken to us through his only son, not just an angel or just a prophet or a person. He spoke to us through his son, and his son came here, visited here, died on this earth for us, and is going to bring uh, his kingdom to this, this place. So um, uh, it, this is the focus of all that God's doing in my heart. And I think as you see here how he speaks to us through his son, it just really adds uh, strength to that. Also in verse 2 it says, He was appointed heir of all things. He's heir. Jesus is heir of all things. Uh, one translation says he's the lawful, lawful owner of everything. I like that. I want to be on his side. He's the lawful owner of all things. Verse 2, it also says, and uh, it also says that through whom also he made the world. You know that Jesus was the one that God the Father used to create the whole world. I don't think some people, some people think God the Father did that, but in Colossians and in here and other places it's very clear that uh, Jesus Christ uh, has always existed. He, he didn't have his beginning when he was born in Bethlehem. I mean, Jesus Jesus, uh, the man, was, was here, but I tell you, he was, he was the uh, second person in the Godhead that is eternally existed. He, is, he was God. He's always been. And it tells us that uh, the Son, God the Son, was the one who created all things. And just what this chapter does is it helps give you some good insights as to who he really is. I mean, uh, can you imagine, since he framed the world, he hung the sun out there, he stuck the moon up there and started throwing out stars, and then he, he condensed himself and become a man and live on the globe he created. Imagine how that must have been tough, huh? Walking around, he was a carpenter building houses uh, when he could build the universe. Uh, must have been something when you see what he submitted to just so he could win us back to the Father. Powerful, powerful truth all through here. Verse 3, he's the very brightness of his glory. In other words, he's the very, the same brightness of the glory of the Father. Uh, he's not dimmer than the Father. I mean, they had the same brightness. There's that, that is the, I and the Father are one. There's, there's, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's such a, a closeness and a, a brightness within both of them. It says, and he's the express image of his person. And he's the very express image of the Father. Their nature is the very same. Uh, one translation says he's the perfect imprint of the nature of the Father. I like that. And just goes on there, upholding all things by his word and his power. He purged us of sin. Boy, the list goes on. Uh, but I, I want to come down to verse 9. There's just a lot there that you can look at on your own. But in verse 9, talking about Jesus, one of the characteristics about him, it says, talking about Jesus, it says, Jesus, you have loved righteousness and you hated lawlessness. The Living Bible says, Jesus, you love right and you hate wrong. You know, I think every pastor, just as you could have a church full of people, that that one characteristic stood out of. Just give me a church full of people that hate wrong and love what's right. Say there is something about that. And I just thank God because I think that's the kind of church that I'm pastoring. I really do. I really believe that when you have that kind of a heart, uh, God begins to do some things that couldn't happen any other way. There's got to be in our heart a certain attitude for God to feel free to move in a special way. When you have people who love 
God and love what's right and hate what's wrong and hate sin, you know, you don't have to have a set of rules and regulations to keep people living right. You know, when, when people don't have that in their heart, then you've got to have a set of laws. And, I, and I've been around that and, and that whole religious atmosphere where the only way you're going to keep people doing right is to preach about every bad thing. Don't do this and don't you do that. Don't go there. And just, you've know, got to keep right before everybody, letting them know exactly what's right and wrong and kind of just keep, keep those rules in front of people. Well, you've got to have rules if, if people aren't sure they don't like sin. But when people hate sin and love righteousness, it's amazing. When it comes from the heart, and there is that attitude of heart, you don't have to lead people through regulations and the law. There, there really is a desire from the inside to serve Jesus and do what's right, and there's a hatred for sin. It's like, uh, you know, it's like spinach. You know, if, if, if I don't know if this is a good illustration, but... <laughs> That's all I got, okay. <laughs> I was trying to think of something I hated. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Uh, you know, if let's say God made 11th commandment and says, Thou shalt not eat spinach. How many could probably go on the rest of your life being sinless as far as that, that commandment? Say, man, that would not be hard. Why? Because you hate it. You know, you think, man, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad I hate it because that's not difficult. When you hate sin, not as hard to do what God's asking you to do when they're in your heart is a hatred for it. I mean, you, you kind of, that doesn't make sense. It was pretty good after all. I like that. I mean, no one's going to have to follow you around with a spinach detector and find out what, I mean, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to have to develop dogs that smell out spinach. I mean, no one would go after it because they hate it. Well, the thing is, is this whole area of Jesus had a heart that hated sin and he had a heart that loved what was right. And, uh, and that was a quality in him that I, that I want in my life. I want God to develop uh, a love. You know, new Christians usually, one of the things that the new Christians usually have a tendency to do is, you know, they've just come out of sin and they know how bad it was. I mean, they just realize it's a, the, the stark reality of where they were and now where they're at. They just seem to love Jesus so much and hate their past so they know what it was. It's down the road a little while when the enemy tries to make you forget how bad it was try and make you forget how bad the hangovers were and how bad and how empty and how lonely you really were. And then we begin to start looking and saying, maybe it wasn't so bad. He tries to develop a new taste for that that was back there. But, you know, we need to return to our first love like we were when we were first saved, where we, we loved what was right now and hated what was wrong. It seemed to be a characteristic of people just walking into Jesus. It needs to be something that continues. But that was the characteristic of Jesus. He loved what was right what was wrong. And then look what it says. Therefore, and that, that's the key word here. Therefore, saying because Jesus had this quality about him, therefore, the Father says, I anointed him with the oil of gladness more than his friends, more than his companions, more than his fellow servants. This is because, basically, because this is true. Therefore, I'm going to anoint him with oil above his companions. That's saying, it's saying that because his heart was so that way, God put an anointing on him of gladness. I mean a joy that was that was greater than anybody around him. There was nobody that had as much joy and gladness. Let me just share it. This word, there's a lot of Greek words for the word gladness and joy. This is the most intense one. It says that when he anointed him with gladness, the Greek word is agaliasis, 
and it's a, in some translations it says exceeding joy or rejoice greatly, exuberant joy. But the young Greek concordance tries to give you the best meaning it can, and it says joy with much leaping. I like that. Joy with much leaping. It's saying that it's the kind of thing that when when you when you have this kind of joy, you just jump once in a while. I uh, I, mean, I can think of different times. I remember uh, one night last year, the year before, it was it was a uh, my son plays little league, and I remember that he went all the way up to Oak Harbor. It was the last of the year. They went to a big tournament, and uh, they they won that that night. But my son, I'm, I'm bragging now, uh, pitched the whole game, and it was now the bottom inning, the very end of the inning, the last inning, two outs, two strikes. He's up there on the mound, and I mean, if he could get this last strike, I remember thinking, we're going to win this whole thing and go home with a trophy. And I was so excited, and I remember just sitting there kind of like, oh, dear Jesus, kind of like with your fingers crossed, and, you know, praying, oh, Lord. And I remember when he finally threw that thing and went across, and the guy swung at this, and I went, ah! <laughs> he was like, oh, I mean, just, you know, just, yeah, I could, I didn't plan it, I wasn't thinking, well, I'm going to jump here. I mean, just, just, I just went up in the air, you know. It was that kind of a, uh, that's what it's saying, much leaping. That's what the word means. And that's what it says about Jesus. Now, how many of you ever pictured Jesus ever doing that? Now, Herb a while ago was getting happy while we were singing. He was kind of leaping around here a little bit. Uh, but how many of you ever pictured Jesus doing that? You know, I think for a lot of us, I think I've not, for a lot of years, ever thought of Jesus like that. I always saw him a lot more serious. You know, kind of, kind of almost spooky. You know, kind of. But, I mean, there, there. He, it says he had more joy than all of his companions. He had more joy than all of his companions. I mean, I think he laughed more than most people laughed. I think that's why little children are always climbing up in his lap. He was happy. I mean, he laughed from down here. And a couple of times, he'd just get up and just kind of jump. And this is just great. I mean, there, there was something about the gladness of Jesus that was contagious. Contagious. And uh, the fact is, is that is there's a reason why Jesus had this kind of contagious, leaping kind of joy and happiness. And it tells us right here. Because he loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. It says, you've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God has anointed you. I'm going to say something to you tonight that I really think is true. And I, and I think that there, there is a fruit of joy that grows just by being in some full of the Holy Ghost. This thing here, there's an anointing that comes on people who love right and hate wrong. Part of this kind of thing is something that God places on people whose heart is right toward him. There is a love for what's right. There's a hatred for what's wrong. We love what God loves and we hate what God hates. And when our heart lines up with his, there comes a joy. And the reason I believe this is not just, not just because of this isolated verse here. But in, in just growing up, watching people who had the right kind of heart, there also came side by side with that a joy that was contagious. And you know, you can't manufacture that and you can't work that up. You can't even fake that. I, I mean, how many of you ever tried? You just knew you should be joyful. Everybody else was, so you tried to be joyful. How many tried? And it wasn't real. It stunk. But you tried and you stunk. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, yes. I mean, it's terrible. Big old plastic smile, and you know that Christian's supposed to say the right thing, and it's terrible when it's not there. When it's not there, you can't manufacture it. You can't make I mean, you can go through the motions, but you know it stinks, and so does everybody else. There's something about 
joy, Holy Ghost joy that comes from an anointing in your inner man that bubbles over and makes you want to jump and makes you want to laugh, makes you want to smile, and makes you happy inside, that comes from a heart that has said to God, God, I want to do what's right, and I hate what's wrong. Jesus had that kind of heart. The person who had that kind of heart, God anoints them with a, with a laughter and a joy I want that. I want that. I want that with all my heart. Because as you go through your Christian walk, there are times when, when, when you've experienced that, that there isn't anything better than that. There's something about that that money can't buy that. Money can't buy that. That comes from God. And it comes from a heart that has said that. I think the other side of the coin we just need to realize then is that if we tonight are here and we are going after things that we know are wrong, things that we know God hates, but we're trying to be part of it. Don't think for a moment that you can also have the joy of the Lord. You will lose the joy the minute you do and walk in what you know breaks God's heart. And I've, I've been there, and so have you. How many know that the minute you do what you know is wrong, the joy is trickled out immediately? The first thing to go, go is when you know you just made a choice to do or to think or to act wrong. The minute you do something you know is wrong, it's amazing how when you, it's like you knew what was right, you knew it was wrong, and you made a choice to go this way. Because you thought, well, if I'm just going gonna, gonna to enjoy this. I mean, I want to do this. Because, you know, the thing, the reason usually why we want to do something is we think it's going to add to us some gladness and joy. And just the opposite happens when we do the opposite of what God wants. The real joy. The real joy and the real gladness just streams out. And uh, I don't think there's anybody I've ever met that can say, well, I got away with sin and kept my joy. I don't think that happens. I just don't think it does. And once you've experienced the joy of the Lord, uh, nothing else satisfies, does it? It really isn't. I mean, all the, the drugs in the world, all the booze, and all the, all the stuff that the world has to offer, once you've taken... I've, I've had more, more people come to me and say, you know, I thought I could go back and enjoy that. Because I do remember in some of my days of sin, having some fun. But it's, boy, why is it that after you really knew Jesus and you tasted of the goodness of the Lord, you go back, you just never taste the same. Like gravel in your mouth, you think, Lord, this does not satisfy like it once did. Because once you've had the joy of the Lord, there isn't anything better than that. And Jesus had it more than everybody else because there was nobody. He says he anointed him with oil of gladness more than his companions. And so uh, there is a joy that comes from the person who has a heart that lines up with what God says, lines up with what uh, Jesus is all about. Now, let me just uh, you know, a- ask the question, uh, so what do you do uh, if that's not happening in your life? What do you do tonight if there's just no joy? Because I, I want to say this, not only is it great just to have the joy, but the joy of the Lord is what? Strength. Strength. If you've got the joy, you've got the strength of the Lord. Something about when, you, when you've uh, you got the joy of the Lord, it adds the strength that keeps you going. But when you don't have the joy, you also don't have the strength. What do you do if it's not happening? Or, or why do some people not have it? And I think it's the, the, same, the same answer is... Uh, don't have it. It's the joy of the Lord that to me, when I begin, you know, when I begin to let my relationship with Jesus just become religion, 
when I'm not, when I'm just walking in religion and I, I lose that touch with Him, the joy begins to leave. I find the more I, I begin to spend time with Him, I begin to feel His heart, and my heart begins to line up with His heart. And my, to me, walking on a regular daily basis with Jesus, uh, where I begin to start feeling His heart, and then my heart begins to agree with His. What He loves, I love, and what He hates, I When my heart begins to line up with Him, there's a relationship going on with Jesus. Not just religion, but relationship. The joy begins to come. But I know that, Lord, yes. What you say yes to, I say yes. And there's no there's no strife, Lord. What you want is what I want. The joy begins to come. And I would say that for some of you tonight, if there's no joy, it's become re- religion rather than relationship. Religion won't add joy to you. It's just a set of rules. You know, you know what you ought to be doing, but you know what your heart wants to do. Your heart wants to do one thing, and what religion says says something different. But relationship with Jesus is when you walk hand in hand. If he's walking this way, and I've got to hold his hand, and I go, I go where he goes. I'm, I'm wanting to walk the same direction he is. And I, uh, the, more, the more he's alive in me and walking with me, the more it happens where the joy is there. And it just comes from being around Jesus and letting his heart become part of my heart. And the more he lives in me. You know, he, he even now has that kind of joy. And if he's living in me, and I let him live, I'm going to sense his joy overflowing. But I love this verse. Jesus, you loved right, and you hid wrong. Therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Boy, there is no greater witnessing tool than to be a person anointed with the joy of the Lord. Because you can lose arguments when you, just, when you argue with people about why they ought to get saved. Anybody ever lost an argument? I've, I've, I've lost arguments. But what you don't, what you don't lose with is when you got the joy of the Lord, because they can't argue with the joy of the Lord. I, I remember walking up to two uh, Jehovah Witnesses, standing, handing out their little pamphlets, and, I, and my first thought was to argue with them. I thought I'm going to share, I'm going to win an argument with them because I, I know what they believe. And the Lord just moved on me and said, "No, smile and love them." And let the joy of the Lord shine. And I remember walking up to him and hugging him. <laughs> and and just sharing the joy of Jesus. I said, as a matter of fact, one of the things that usually is always starts an argument is they want to always call him Jehovah. And that's that's okay, Jehovah. That's that's one of his names. Uh, we call him Jesus. But uh, so I just said, you love Jehovah? And he goes, yes. I said, I love Jehovah. And I hugged them both. Need to meet people who love Joe. Hug them again. And, and and it wasn't something I was just being phony with. I mean, I I there was there was something of the Holy Ghost happening right then, and there was a Jesus happy on my face that wasn't phony. I I really was happy about Jesus, who's also Jehovah. But you know, uh, I didn't lose that argument that night. Matter of fact, they they just weren't sure. They said, I mean, they said you you, you love Jehovah. Yes, don't you love Jehovah? Yes. Oh, we got something in common. Hallelujah. I mean, it was like, you know, there's, but what was what was happening to me was real. There was a real joy of the Lord, and I knew that they were going through, they were going through some some duty. They were standing there with a lot of duty, and there wasn't a lot of love. And I knew that when we left, we never never got into arguments. And when I left, I knew they went. He's got something. <laughs> I don't know if they were, I don't know if that was crazy or if I had something, but. On something, I don't know, but they knew that there was something real that was happening. And I thank God for the joy of Jesus. 
and that he can anoint us. It's an anointing. I want the anointing to come on where I don't have to I don't have to try and be happy. I mean, I can't hold it back because there's an anointing. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you for the heart of Christ who came with one desire, and that's to please the Father. Lord, Jesus, you loved what the Father loved, and you hated what the Father hated. You were in the exact image. Lord, a perfect imprint, the Bible says. Perfect imprint, the exact brightness of the Father. You, you just walked in harmony. Lord, we want that. Lord, our flesh rebels. Lord, there's so many things in us that want to go the other direction. But God, give us a heart tonight. Jesus, come live in us and so be in charge that, Lord, we, Lord, we have your heart tonight. Lord, help us to get out of the way and let you live. For Jesus, your heart beats after the Father's heart. Lord, what you love is what the Father loves. Lord, if we can get out of the way, Lord, let that part of us that is resisting go to the cross. And Lord, let you live. Lord, the result will be a joy that the world can't explain away. Lord, a joy that Father is an anointing. It doesn't come, Lord, worked up or fakey, but Lord, it's real. Holy Ghost. We want that, Lord. That'll help us in our witness. It'll help us in our neighborhood. Lord, it caused little children to gather around you. People from all over flocked around you because you were happy. Lord, it wasn't a struggle to be, Lord, a person who lived for God. It was fun serving the Father. And Lord, I pray right now you would help us. Lord, make our choice about who we're going to serve. Lord, and who we're going to love and what we're going to hate. Lord, because we want to love you and hate sin. In Jesus' name. Stand with me, would you?